There are so many things as humans that we don't really understand. There are mystic, magical, faded things, as well as otherworldly realms that we just can't comprehend unless it's through the journey of our own soul. I'm your host, Steffi, aka The Spirit Sis. I'm a psychic medium, astrologer, and intuition teacher, and I'm here to take you on an exploration of all things spiritual. I'm going to connect to source, give you divine downloads, and I want to keep you in the spirit loop. So here is the Psychic Scoop. Hello, hi everybody. Welcome back to Psychic Scoop. I am Steffi, your host, and I'm also known as Spirit Sis. I can't wait to give you guys this episode. If you're new here, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. And if you're a longtime listener, welcome back, bestie. I always let spirit and intuition kind of run my podcast and what I want to talk about because I believe that everyone that comes here and listens, it's something for you. Something needs to resonate for you you and it's usually some sort of collective message. So I have been getting the hit for at least three to four months now that I wanted a specialist to come on and talk about hormones and specifically period health. And I have been going through my own personal struggles for many, many, many years with this. And I started to do a lot more research, but I am such a baby beginner. I don't know nearly as much as I want to. So I don't know. I, I I set it out with spirit. I was like, okay, you know, you guys, you guys gave me this hit, but you need to also bring me who is going to be on the podcast. So I actually reached out to, I would say maybe four or five people that I had listened to on like hormone health and stuff like that. And I hadn't heard from anybody. And I said out loud to spirit, the exact right person who is meant to be on the podcast will show up in some way, somehow. And then I just let it go. And then about a week and a half later, Erin slid into my DMs. <laughs> Her and I took a business course, not together separately, but we are both um, students of this course. And she reached out to me and I was like, this is crazy that you're reaching out to me because I have been wanting a hormone and period specialist on the podcast for forever. And so this just worked out perfectly. I'm so happy I have her on. You guys are going to love her. She has such warm, loving energy. And she is a period nutritionist. So she specifically supports women and uterus owners with menstrual disorders. And this was an amazing conversation. I learned so much from Erin. She's a wealth of knowledge. We cover a lot of topics, especially both of us being on birth control for over a decade and what the ramifications of that looked like. Uh, I know birth control was such a revolutionary and amazing choice for women when it first was developed and made. And I think growing up, you know, personally for me, there wasn't a lot of like education around not only just birth control, but period health in general. So I was really taken aback by a lot of the stuff that Erin said because I was just processing all of my trauma and all of the years I had all of these painful periods, knowing that I probably could have done something different and not suffered as much as I did. But anyway, we're here now. <laughs> we learn from our mistakes on this podcast. It's all about the evolution of growth of, you know, the human experience. So without further ado, let's bring on our lovely, amazing guest, Erin Nicole. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited for this conversation that we got to like connect and bring this together. <laughs> I know we were really vibing right before the call, but in general, the way you slid into my DMs and how it was all orchestrated by spirit is amazing. 
Yeah, it is. I love like the slid into DMs. <laughs> 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 I love and thank you for having me, especially on the first day of your cycle. Like, thank you. <laughs> oh my gosh. See, thanks for already getting right into it. <laughs> it was so much to talk about. I know. I was like, I'm so tired. I was like, Aaron's going to help me because I'm on the first day of my cycle. So many people were so excited to hear from you and just get your wisdom. So for listeners, Give us a little bit of your, your tea. Where are you from? What do you do? Your title? Yeah, for sure. So my name's Erin Nicole. I am a functional nutritional therapy practitioner. I'm originally from Ohio, but I actually live in Australia. So I moved out here about four years ago. Before this, I did work in the anti-human trafficking field. So obviously like very different, <laughs> like completely two different ends. Um, but I love, I love both ends. I just love the work that I do now because I can help women that women and uterus owners that are dealing with things like endometriosis. PCOS, painful periods, PMS, because like learning body literacy is huge. And like when I first started out on my journey, I was like, how are we not taught this information? Like the basics of how our body works. So I absolutely love the work that I do now and like being able to provide that education component and see like women and uterus owners really like taking ownership of their bodies and moving forward is incredible. <laughs> wow. I'm already like, I have so many follow-up questions about like, the work you used to do and the work you do now, <laughs> but, but a lot of that has to do with awareness of your own body and like the evolution of, you know, your life and getting older and what your body was doing. So was there a breaking point for you where you realized like, did you have PMS symptoms or did you have painful periods? Like, how did you come from that work you were doing, which is <laughs> equally as important as what you're doing yeah. now? But like, well, how did that journey, like, what did that look like? I know it's such a drastic journey. <laughs> so I did anti-human trafficking work for about four years. I did it in America and Australia. I did a tiny bit in India, but mainly Australia and America. Um, and essentially around the same time that I started getting into more of that child trafficking, when that started my, like these, I started having these nightmares and flashbacks that weren't there before. And so that kind of led me down this rabbit hole of dealing with PTSD from what now I know is sexual abuse, but I couldn't identify it for so long. And I was kind of just like crumbling on the inside, but not telling anyone. So I'm like sitting here in these meetings, hearing these stories of these kids that were trafficked and how we're helping this organization and just like crumbling on the inside because like every bit of it is triggering. And that started in Australia. And then I obviously is super dedicated to the work, love like working with these women and these children. But then I went back to Columbus, Ohio, where I was going to finish my last year, my last semester of university. And I ended up getting hired on to work at a safe house for minors that were trafficked in the city. And I think that's kind of what I realized I had to get out of it. Because the thing is, like, if they're in one place, I'm in another place, there's no way you can match those. Like, if I'm dealing with my own stuff, you can't match two. Like, they're dealing with being trafficked, sexually abused, domestic violence, drug addiction. I'm over here dealing with my own stuff. How can I be of service to them? I can't. Um, so I ended up getting out of it and kind of just like navigating my way. And it wasn't until I was moving back to Australia, I was actually sitting at the airport with my mom and I had gone through therapy at this point and everything, which had helped with my PTSD tremendously. I just wasn't sure I was ready to get back into such triggering work essentially. And she had, cause she knew I'm very passionate about people, very passionate about women. And she said she had been at work reading an article about period poverty. And I was like, Oh, I've never heard of period poverty. Like I'll have to do some research on it. <laughs> 
And so like I was sitting there doing period poverty research and obviously I feel like most period poverty research and awareness is out of the UK. So that's kind of where I started. And I was like, well, I'm in Australia. Maybe I should focus on Australia. And I realized Australia is terrible for statistics and actually collecting data information on their own people. Um, So that's when I was like, okay, well, if no one else is going to help you know, young girls and uterus owners learn about their bodies. Like maybe I can, like, why don't, why don't I figure out like, why do we have a period? Cause I've been on birth control for 13 years for excruciating periods and PMS. And that kind of led me down the hole of like, Oh wow, there's so much to our bodies in the menstrual cycle. And if you're having symptoms, there's more going on. That's actually your body giving you a report card saying, Hey, you keep failing. Can we like work this out so we can start to feel better? And that kind of led me down the whole of doing more research, um, eventually going on to advocate for myself to get an endometriosis diagnosis. And when I finished my surgery, they essentially said, you only have stage two endo, but you'll probably need surgery every two years. You might deal with infertility. You need to get back on birth control. I was just like, screw that. Like I'm not doing it. Wait, how old were you when you got that diagnosis? 23. Wow. Yeah. And luckily my aunt also has endometriosis. She um, had stage four. And so like, it's funny because they told her very young, like she would never be able to have kids. And obviously she went on to have lots of unprotected sex and ended up having lots of kids. (laughs) And it was because of, it was her awareness that really helped me. She was like, Hey, look, there are other options out there. Like you don't have to get surgery every two years. So that's when I started looking into um, nutrition. And that's what really did a number on dealing with my bloating, my gut health, my PMS, my painful periods. It's been like a whole turnaround. And that's what later led me into creating a blog called Moonly on Instagram. And that blog led to a lot of people always asking questions about how I did it. So I decided to go out and become a nutritionist. So I actually knew what I was talking about, or at least had the credentials to feel better about what I was talking about and to help other people do it. Wow. It's like you mixed your purpose with your intuition and just listen to what the call was, which is exactly why you're here and getting a diagnosis like that. So early in your life, mm-hmm. um, not even before your Saturn return, which happens when you're, you know, 28, 29, uh, yeah. there's a lot of lessons there. And yeah, I can't wait to talk about your birth chart at the end because there, a lot of things are already making sense. <laughs> I'm so excited because I've never had it for anyone listening. I haven't had it done before. So I'm very excited to hear about it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I think there's like so much resonant in your story about just me growing up and not understanding like what a period was, not getting the proper education. I mean, yeah, understanding what it was, but PMS and my cycle and everything. And it wasn't until, you know, I started to really learn about astrology, you know, that I started to understand my period was linking with the lunar cycles and I was a little more sensitive, but just like you, I was on birth control for 10 years and I was on it when I was 18. And I had a lot of people like come into me like, what the heck is up with birth control? We'll get into that. But just for, you know, beginners, would Mm. you mind just explaining or breaking down like the cycle, just what it is for for everybody who just wants (laughs) to know? (laughs) Yeah, of course. So when it comes to your period, your period is actually more than just a period. It is this whole cycle of events that lead up to it. Um, And because many of us have been on, you know, hormonal birth control pills, you often think that your period is the end of the cycle. Well, it's actually starts you off on a new cycle, but it gives you the report card of how you did in the last cycle, which is so interesting. Um, But essentially what I'll do is I'll break it up in four phases. I'll try to keep it super simple. Um, But there's four phases to the menstrual cycle that contribute to how we're feeling and our emotions and hormones. Um, So if we start out in the first phase, this is the follicular phase and essentially what is happening is there is a pituitary gland in our brain and it talks to our ovaries 
And I'm going to keep the menstrual phase outside of the follicular phase. I know some people bind it together. I'm going to keep it out. (laughs) Do you girl? (laughs) Yeah. Essentially the pituitary gland in your brain talks to your ovaries and says, Hey, you guys can start maturing some eggs this month. Um, go ahead, get going. And as those eggs start to develop, we actually develop anywhere from five to 20 eggs per cycle. So there's not just one egg developing. We have several basically racing against each other to get to ovulation. And as they're developing, we start producing, um, the main hormones, estrogen and testosterone, and those are helping build our uterine lining on top of other like helpful things that they're doing outside of our menstrual cycle. But when it comes to our menstrual cycle, they're actually, they're helping build up a really good thick uterine lining. And then as you get closer to ovulation, um, which can happen anywhere from nine to 27 days from the first day of your period. Yeah. So that's a fun one. Sorry. They they can't see me, but my mouth just dropped 27 (laughs) days. Wow. So I guess this is the part where I should have said the menstrual cycle can range anywhere from 24 to 36 days long. So the, yeah. So the myth that you ovulate on day 14, everyone has a 28 day cycle is like some people might have a 28 day cycle some months, but it's going to change person to person. It's going to change month to month. And that's why our bodies are so incredible because it's constantly just trying to create a safe environment. And it's going based off what you're giving the information to your body, um, which is so cool. And essentially as you get closer to ovulation, this is where one of those eggs that was developing is becoming dominant. And as it becomes dominant, the estrogen levels will peak in your body. Essentially your body will be like, cool, we have enough estrogen. That egg is healthy enough. I'm going to go back and tell my brain to start producing a hormone called the luteinizing hormone or LH. And that's where LH says, cool, I'm going to go get that egg into the fallopian tube. So essentially it bursts out of something called a follicle. It makes its way into the fallopian tube for 12 to 24 hours. So that myth that you can get pregnant at any time is also false. (laughs) Yes. That's not true. Um, so the egg will live in the fallopian tube for 12 to 24 hours. If there's sperm there, it may become fertilized. If there is no sperm there, it'll dissolve. And that fallop, that um, sorry, that follicle that that egg came out of will actually collapse in on itself, kind of looking a little bit like a donut, like a deformed donut. That's actually what helps us produce progesterone. And that leads us into what they call the luteal phase. And this is the phase where most people notice issues. So if you get breast tenderness, mood swings, anxiety, depression, bloating, acne before your period. This is where we typically see issues. That is because likely you are dealing with low progesterone. So that corpus luteum is actually going to produce progesterone, I'll say about 10 to 18 days after um, you ovulate. And then if you haven't created a small human, eventually those hormone levels will drop off and that's where you get a period. And that is the menstrual phase, which will actually set like restart you into another menstrual cycle. But I think the coolest thing is that there is a constant cycle and that period that you're getting is essentially shedding that uterine lining um, of what you have built up during the follicular phase. It was sustained by the luteal phase and the luteal phase that progesterone was holding it in place just in case you decided to create a small human. But if you decided not to, it's like, cool, I got to get rid of this. We'll just go ahead and move on. That's where you get your period and your period can give you so much information. And the luteal phase right before you have your um, period, that's the longest phase, like quote, air quote, longest phase, correct? I would say the follicular phase, it depends on the person because I'll say say it this way. So the 
follicular phase where you're building up that estrogen testosterone those eggs are developing that's the one that can range from nine to 27 days and essentially the the fact that there's such a big range this is the only part of the cycle that can actually change in length when you um have like you know sometimes when your friends are like my period's late but it eventually comes it's actually that your follicular phase was late so the luteal phase actually stays the same length the follicular phase can change because essentially any type of travel medication stress any factor can affect that follicular phase because essentially what your body is doing is it's telling it, hey, okay, I'm a bit stressed out. It might not be the best time to create a little human. So can we push that ovulation back a bit? And so essentially your body will push ovulation back and say, okay, we'll give you a few extra days to like get things worked out. And then when you're not stressed anymore or when this medication or illness subsides, we'll get back into developing that egg and giving it a safe environment in the luteal phase. But the luteal phase for the most, for most people with a healthy luteal phase, that'll actually stay the same length. Wow. I'm learning so much already. <laughs> I'm, glad. I'm glad it's helpful. <laughs> it, it is, but it's like, it's crazy. Cause it, like you said, it's so circumstantial to each person, like their own cycle. And I think even a lot of the questions I got were very nuanced to that particular situation, but let's just say it's the perfect day, right? The rainbows, <laughs> yeah. the rainbows are out. The sun's shining. What is your period supposed to look like? Or even let's say the PMS period, what, what does that look like on a sunshiny day? Now, I love this question. So on a sunshiny day, what <laughs> I don't know how to say like a perfect, cause I don't want to say perfect. <laughs> yeah, not perfect, but I guess like, like what we're looking at when we see more balanced out hormones. So in the luteal phase where we notice a lot of those PMS symptoms, PMS is actually associated with low progesterone. And we notice that when people increase their progesterone levels, that PMS is gone. I haven't had PMS in four years. Um, the progest- hold on, hold on. Take yeah, that no, on. It's possible to get rid of like um, low progesterone and PMS. I know. <laughs> I love it. And that's why you're here to help us. Okay. So let's talk about PMS and uh, low progesterone progesterone, because I have actually been doing a little research on this before you even came into my life, because I had a, I had a little like intuition. That's what's been happening to me. I was spotting for many days before my period mood swings and really bad insomnia and just like a lot of weird issues with my cycle length. So, um, what is one of the things like, if you're noticing that, you know, you're having bad PMS is I know there's not one thing, but are there a few things that kind of just rebalance that for our upcoming cycle? Yeah. So I think the best way I used to have a different opinion on this until I've learned more about the menstrual cycle and like learning how to chart your cycle is when it comes to dealing with PMS, you can absolutely get rid of it. There is PMDD, which usually takes a bit more work because there's a lot going on with the brain activity and all of those things that contribute to that. But when it comes to PMS, you want to look at, okay, so remember how we were talking about that follicle that collapsed in on itself and kind of looked like a donut. So to have healthy progesterone, you need a healthy follicle. But to get that healthy follicle, we needed a healthy egg to mature that in the follicular phase. So that's when you also have to look back at estrogen. So when you're looking at, okay, you have lower high progesterone levels, we have to say, well, if the corpus luteum wasn't happy, then, then what was going on with the estrogen? And then we say, okay, but if the estrogen's unhappy, we have to look at what started the estrogen out. Well, the pituitary gland, it all goes back to the pituitary gland, which plays a part in a variety of cycles in our body, but it plays into our blood sugar. And for most women, 
HPA axis is a massive one. And essentially this is the hypothalamus, pituitary and adrenal glands. And AKA, I just kind of, I like to call it like the stress axis. Yeah. <laughs> the stress, exactly. Yeah. It's the stress axis. Um, it's most of our problem, my problem, everyone else's problem. Everyone. Yeah. Okay. But when there is something out of balance within either of those, you're going to see it affect the pituitary gland, even if it's gut health, gut health is going to directly affect um, your pituitary gland, your liver and gallbladder is going to affect it. Your adrenals are going to affect it. And so when we're looking at progesterone, you want to focus on looking for the root cause of why it's out of balance. And that's what I try to get people to remember. Cause I know a lot of times we go to the doctor, doctor's like, cool, just take, you know, here's like either hormonal birth control or bioidentical progesterone. And sure, some people might need bioidentical progesterone, but why not start at looking at the root cause to see if we can improve those symptoms. And I typically notice over two or three months, people can improve them significantly. Perfect. That was going to be my next question. Is this something that takes years? Is it, does it happen in the next cycle? So you said two to three months, you can kind of fix it or work on, work on all of the insides to, <laughs> to help <laughs> yeah. build body mind. Yeah. I think the fastest I've ever seen someone do it was probably a month, but that's because she was willing to like hit everything like super hard full on. And I don't love for people to always hit things full on, especially if it's not going to be sustainable in the long term. You don't want to do it if it's not sustainable. You still want to enjoy your life. So there are definitely things that contribute to, you know, healthy balance, balance out the pituitary gland. It goes back to what's going on with your gut health. Is your liver and gallbladder congested? What are your stress levels? Um, and what are your vitamins and minerals like? Um, that's a massive one. Like there's B12, B9, B2, zinc, all of these things that are often depleted in our food, depleted by medications like hormonal birth control that we forget to take into consideration when we're going to focus on dealing with our hormones. Yeah, absolutely. And nutrition and supplements, like all of that stuff is so important, but you have to make sure you're taking the right things for your own body. Cause you can read stuff mm -hmm. online. A perfect example is I was reading about the progesterone and I was reading about, have you heard of chastberry? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, Oh God. So is, is that like a typical, cause I started taking it and I will say my symptoms got better, but is that like a normal supplement yeah. people take if they're trying to for a quick fix for PMS? So Vitex or Chasper is a very quick fix to PMS. And that is because it supports the corpus luteum. It supports the pituitary gland. Um, it is a herb. I will say I'm not a herbalist, but I will say it can help tremendously. There's so many studies that says it helps. And I think it is a great addition for some people. It depends on what's going on. Some people can have very bad side effects from it, depending on if what else is going on with their cortisol levels or estrogen levels that can make it worse. And you also want to be very careful with your dosage. I know in a lot of places, like here in Australia, when I first tried it, I think the dosage was like 1200 and you want to stay around that 200 to 300 mark. Wow. So my symptoms actually got worse because my dosage was so high and I didn't realize it, but that was the lowest I could find here in Australia. Um, so it is a, it's more of that quick fix, but to actually address the root cause, it's a, it can be a good partner with, you know, focusing on gut health, blood sugar, vitamins, and minerals, and putting those together. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Let's talk a little bit about birth control because we both kind of like danced around it. <laughs> Been on birth control as well. You said 10 years. Yes. So when I was 18, my mom took me to the doctor and she was like, I was on birth control for 12 years in the seventies. You're going on it, you know? (laughs) So I've always had bad periods, really heavy, heavy periods and clotting and cramping and things like that. Um, but when I went on it, you know, it's like my skin got better and I felt normal. And then I, you know, did some research and I was like, Oh, I haven't been ovulating this whole time. Cause that's something I think we should debunk right now. So do you get a period when you're on birth control? Yes. I love this question. You do not get a period. And I didn't realize this either. Cause I was on birth control for 13 years. I went on when I was 10. What? Oh, I know. Cause you're diagnosed. No, I didn't have my diagnosis at that point. It was just cause my periods were so excruciating. My mom actually took me to the doctor and said, could this be endometriosis? The doctor said, no, she's just unlucky. Either she can go on the pill or get pregnant. Wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? 10 years old. So when did you get your first period? I think I was like nine, nine and a half. I was very, very young. My mom was very surprised because I basically like, I hadn't had the talk yet. And I was just like started bleeding. And I went to the like to the bedroom where my mom was sleeping because at this point she was working like three jobs. She was exhausted. And I was like, mom, I think I'm bleeding from my butt. She was like, that's odd. Um, I'll check it a little bit. Because like, obviously I was nine. She was like, why would a nine-year-old be starting her period? And then she was like, oh, okay, well, like, let's talk tampons, let's talk pads. Like, I had no idea what a period was. She was um, surprised as well. And I do believe that starting your period early can be a common association for people with endometriosis. When did you make the decision to finally go off of it? I made the decision when I was 23, when I learned about period poverty. That's when I was like, oh, okay, well, like your period actually has benefits to you. It gives you information. It actually does something for your body. So I came off of it that much like I went all of that time without producing essential hormones to the female body. I know I question that all the time. I'm like, I can't believe that. Obviously I didn't know. I know I didn't either. And I think that's really important for people to understand is that, um, you know, there is like a little bit of that swing back after you get off of it for so long, you know, both of us on it for more than a decade. Um, I, my moods, my depression, my anxiety, everything was just so different when I started to get my natural hormones again. And I even remember one time, like looking in the mirror and getting like a black whisker on my, on my chin. Is that normal too? (laughs) Um, It can be post pill because when we're on birth control, it can affect our blood sugar and our insulin, which can cause increased testosterone levels. So sometimes it can take a little bit of time to balance out those testosterone. Yeah. I was like, I have a beard. <laughs> like what's happening? happening? No. And I've had, I actually had a few people ask that question too. Um, they're like, is it yeah. normal for you to like have black whiskers? I was like, girl, I know it's so random. And it's like, then it just disappeared. Right. Didn't come back. Mm. But what's crazy is also too, just all of the, um, coming to Jesus with my own body again, after being on the synthetic pill for so long. And then I was getting um, cysts and I was being sent to and from the hospital. So yeah, it's interesting that there's not a lot of education surrounding the pill at all. There's no education. And just to throw in here real quick, if you do notice black whiskers or mustache or anything like that, and you're not coming off of the pill or you had irregular cycles and this before the pill, you might want to look into PCOS. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. There's so many different, I mean, we could talk all day about all of the, <laughs> yeah. all of the things our hormones can produce yeah. in this body. Yeah. Um, there was another question I thought was interesting. So do men have cycles at all? Do you know hormonal cycles? Males have a 24 hour cycle 
where we have more of that extended cycle. So they kind of go up and down with the sun. We go with the moon cycles. That's the best way that I've seen it. But have I done enough research to look over that? I haven't. But that's what most people go off is that the males have that 24 hour cycle where we have that more extended time to like work alongside the moon cycle, which I think is so incredible. Yeah. I work with the moon cycle. I mean, every single day, (laughs) Um, just, just because of my business, but I've really grown closer to that. And then when I'm ovulating and when I'm menstruating, and I always like to like pull my audience and say like, all right, are we, are we getting our period today? Or are we ovulating with the new and the full moon? And it's really fun. Um, yeah. Is there any, any type of like things you've noticed about the lunar cycle and, and the menstrual cycle? For my menstrual cycle, one thing I found so interesting. Sorry, we'll get back to the pill after this. It's okay. We're over it. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> when it comes to the lunar cycle, I, that's actually how I came up with the name Moonly for my- I know. Um, I loved that. Yeah. Because I was so fascinated when I started learning more about the, like how our menstrual cycle is so in tune with like the earth and the moon cycle. I was like, that is so incredible. Um, so based on what I have learned in the past, whether it's true or not, I don't know, but they believe that when it comes to the full moon and the new moon, that people who are more in that maternal mindset at that point in that particular cycle, they're more likely to ovulate with the full moon. And then, um, Wait, is that right? Yeah. And then have their period with the new moon and then vice versa. If you're more into like work rather than that maternal standpoint at that point in time, you're more likely to ovulate with the new moon and bleed with the full moon, which I feel like is very accurate. And I find it so fascinating that I don't know, because I chart my cycle using the symptothermal method and I find it so fascinating. I'm like, yeah, my cycle is just like regulating out, but then I'll see it change to the moon cycle. And I'm like, at what point in time did this happen? But it lines up to how I'm feeling and what's going on in my life, which I think is so cool. Every single cycle for me, it does that. And I always like to see what the full moon is. And, you know, if it's like a full moon in a water sign, I have a lot of water signs text me being like, why is my period a week early? I was like, cause we are a coven. We are summoning this. Isn't it crazy? I remember, I think it was last year, um, there was this super moon. And I remember like the minute it was finally like up and perfect in the sky, I just started bleeding. And I was like, the body is so incredible. It's incredible. So I try to, when I ovulate, I try to get out there and look at the moon and try to see if there's new seeds of ideas or if I'm, you know, ovulating during the full moon. Cause same as you, it, it has like oscillated quite a bit for the past year. I would say though, I usually get my period on the new moon. But when I, it's funny, you said start to work hard. Like if I'm grinding or I'm really busy, it'll be opposite. Wow. That's incredible. I love that. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, yeah, it's just so cool that we can, we can discern and start to really, really understand our body in tune with nature. Cause that's the way it was always intended before these like yeah. synthetic hormones. Um, yeah. So if you want to get more in touch with your body and in touch with your cycles and kind of understand where you're at in each part of the cycle, besides education, we're learning from you. Is there a way we can either eat or exercise with our cycle or understand where we're at? Yeah. So what a lot of people do is cycle syncing, um, which is what I got super slack on the past year and finally figured out why I felt like crap. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's (laughs) why. Um, do you cycle sync? 
Yeah, I do. I tried to, yeah. but you're about to school me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm still getting back into it after taking a very long break. Um, but essentially what some people do is they actually cycle sync their nutrition, their work, their exercise, and like their social life throughout their menstrual cycle. And so we have a very simple breakdown is essentially like in the follicular phase, we're building things like testosterone and estrogen. So a lot of times what people do is they'll start doing more things like weightlifting and getting out and being more creative. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when you start your period, do you find that that follicular phase, you're a bit more creative? Totally. And just in general, like more active and and more active and like my brain works better. Like I've just, I'm like, what am I talking about? Okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. And you're more energetic, but then as you get closer to ovulation, cause those estrogen levels are really peaking. You find that you really want to, you know, be intimate. Your libido is probably super high. You're very, very like ready to be active. So a lot of people benefit from things like hip workouts. And then as you get into the luteal phase where that progesterone is because progesterone is actually a calming hormone, a lot of people start to transition into being more intuitive and sticking to the self-care and self-practices and um, doing things like Pilates and yoga because it's more of a calming exercise rather than that upbeat that you were having during ovulation. And then like for you, like you're in your first day of your menstrual cycle, some people just take off their whole period, which is what I used to do. I used to take like four dedicated days off. And that's what a lot of the other women that I talk to do because you're essentially shedding an organ. You're all of your hormones are at their lowest levels. So your body is going to be tired. It's going to want to break. It's going to just want nutrients and for you just to relax, you know, reflect on how you're feeling. So there are absolutely ways that you can sync your cycle. I actually have a mini course on this. If anyone is interested, um, that can help you. Like you have a journal and everything and like a little easy cheat sheet to help you with the food and nutrition, um, because there are things that can help, you know, replenish you, especially when you're having a period because you're losing blood. We want to replenish that as we're headed back into the menstrual cycle. Absolutely. See, I always intuitively felt that even when I was 13, I was like, this isn't fair. I'm in seventh grade and I have to be in a pool right now. (laughs) And like, and I have to like be subjected to this. (laughs) I can't even move. (laughs) Well, I look back now and I was actually a competitive swimmer and like, we trained for like four to six hours a day. And I was like, why? Why? Like that makes absolutely no sense. No wonder we all had like hormonal issues and then ended up on birth control. Totally. And our adrenals, like we're constantly going, but yeah, since I've been cycle syncing or trying to, again, like I'm started to really pay attention more. Yeah. It's, it's helped so much. Like even before this call, um, it's, we're recording this during Mercury retrograde. So we've had, (laughs) I've had some issues, Um, but yeah, I laid in bed all, all morning, all morning. And I think a part old part of me would have been like, really, you're not preparing. You're not doing other things for the next week, Mm -hmm. but just talking to you, I'm like, wow, it actually feels good that I listened to my body. I got into bed. Doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's the middle of the day. And now I honestly feel really happy and excited having this conversation because I'm not so drained. Yeah. I love that. And I think that when you start to like sync your cycles, well, you'll notice that you'll have mood and energy shifts throughout the cycle. That's why you start to change what you're doing, but you'll also start to see yourself align more and actually be able to utilize those different types of energies throughout those cycles. So like if you're constantly grinding and grinding and grinding and just not getting anywhere, really look into cycle syncing. Cause you, there are certain parts in your cycle where it's going to be 10 times easier and more intuitive to be doing that type of stuff. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Like I'll like batch reels or make mm. TikToks during my ovulation or right before it, uh, because I find I have more energy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. And then when I'm, you know, like luteal and then leading up to like my actual period, it's more of like, okay, am I answering one email a day? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be back in a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was looking to, um, so you said in your course, you also do a little bit of like nutrition stuff mm-hmm. too. Um, and also I talked about reels, like everyone needs to run to Erin's reels. She has amazing reels. You're so funny and great and informative. Um, but anyway, you, you talk a little bit about, do you have like recipes or just a couple of little, like, I guess things you can kind of give us (laughs) about, um, I've heard about seed cycling and things like that, but you know, what are some of the things? So I actually have two different courses. I have like a mini course for cycle syncing for people that just want to get into it. And in there I have videos that has a breakdown of each part of the cycle. So I'm also explaining what is happening through each of those phases. Like, you know, you're producing FSH, you're producing estrogen, but then going into, okay, how are you feeling energetically? How can you support yourself physically, nutritionally, and emotionally through that phase? And then there's also a workbook that can help with a little cheat sheet of reminders of what you can be doing to support yourself through that cycle. It has journaling prompts and essentially each of those phases has that. And I've also included a, like a mini recipe ebook where you can start making like your own homemade bone broth, which is incredible. If you um, have bone broth, especially during your period beef liver pate, which is also going to help replenish your vitamins and minerals. But I think the biggest thing to remember is that each hormone all goes back to the pituitary gland. So making sure that we're supporting that is super crucial, but I do include that in there. If you are looking for more of that, like really hitting home on the PMS, painful periods, clotting, um, endometriosis, anything like that. That is more of my Blooming Body Blueprint 2.0 course. That's where like I walk you through the step-by-step. There's workbooks in there. There's a private Facebook group. Um, There's a recipe ebook in there. That is where I really take you through the step-by-step of how to get through that. Cause I remember doing the journey on my own and just being like, okay, here's like how you were looking at all those articles. You're like, I keep seeing Vitex. Let's just try Vitex. That was me. And that's why I created this course. Cause I know that we have all done all the research and we're just like, okay, well I've tried everything and nothing has worked. And so that's why I've created that course. So it's accessible. You can do it at your own pace and really start to hone in on balancing your hormones and dealing with that inflammation so that you can start seeing those better symptoms. Yeah. It's beautiful that you're offering this support because we really didn't get it growing up from a lot of different places. And it left us almost like putting it on the back burner a little bit. You don't realize that you're, you know, you're doing this hormone cycle every single month, like subconsciously. Mm. Uh, So it's so important to support ourselves and love ourselves, even in those ups and downs when you're trying to balance out your hormones. Yeah. So thank you for offering that for people. I cannot wait to take your course because I'm like done with the the Googling (laughs) of it. Um, so how, I guess my, like, just to wrap this up, I want to say like, if there's one thing you recommend of just like the best way to support yourself during Mm. any part of your cycle or something that you feel is empowering, what would you say that would be? Good question. I would say the best thing you can start to do is I hope this isn't corny, but actually listening to your body, stop ignoring it. Um, I feel like our brains are brilliant, obviously, but I was thinking about this the other day. I think our brains often dominate 
our gut feeling or our intuition. <laughs> and we yeah. often, we forget to like connect the two. We just let the brain take over, really listen to your body. Like if you're, for example, you notice that before your period, you really want that dark chocolate. That means that you probably have a magnesium deficiency and you know, dark chocolate is super high in magnesium. Eat the dark chocolate. You might notice during your period, like, okay, I'm really, really craving like iron because you're losing a lot of blood eat what is higher in iron, eat some beef, eat some beef liver, like listen to your body. And also I think I wanted to put this here is if when you start to sync your cycle, you might notice that people are, people say like, Oh, like you're so hormonal, but like, it might not be that you're hormonal. It might just be that literally your mood is changing because you're changing it to a different part of your cycle. So be intuitive with that, recognize it. And also just try to respect it. It's okay to have that change. Like we're not stagnant. We don't have the male cycle system. We have this whole other system that can benefit us in so many ways. I love that. Listen to your body and your intuition, which I preach. Everyone listening already knows I do that every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy is like you're listening to your body. I'm like, I, I want fried chicken every single day <laughs> and I want it yeah. smothered in ranch dressing. But I will say when I started to really listen during the, during the phases, that PMS craving and sugar and all that stuff I usually wanted kind of did dissipate quite a bit. Yeah, it would. Yeah. Cause you're actually, is that normal? Yeah. Like, cause sometimes craving like sugar, um, pasta, bread, anything like that sometimes can be a sign of like blood sugar imbalance or bacterial overgrowth. But I always recommend people starting with, start with cycle syncing and see if you can intuitively click into that. Cause it might still lead you down that route, but it might just be that you're so used to something that's so ingrained. We're so used to watching the TV shows where it's like, she ate the full thing of ice cream before her period. Like that's what we're all supposed to do. <laughs> Which isn't bad. But if you notice that, you know, your PMS symptoms are great. It's something to look at. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. Okay. Beautiful. I wanted to talk about your birth chart real quick before we sign off. So you said you've never looked at your birth chart before. No, I'm excited. I've, Do you I've, know your top three at all? No, I've typed it in. And then like, I got this huge chart and all that. I don't know what any of this means. So I clicked <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice to have an expert to explain it to. Oh my gosh. I love that we're swapping because that's how I feel when I look at like hormone stuff. I'm like, this literally could be a different language. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, so you are a Libra sun and you are a cusp Libra sun. Did you know that? What does that mean? <laughs> so you could if you were born minutes later, you would have been a Scorpio. Yeah, I because I always thought for years I was a Scorpio, and then it wasn't until I typed it in somewhere. It was like you're a Libra because of the certain year time. Yes, yes. So for those listening, she was born on October 23rd. So it's interesting. Before I even looked up your chart, because of what you do, I was like, I'm looking for eighth house placements or Scorpio placements because in astrology or medical astrology, that rules the the sex organs, the uterus, ovaries, everything. But what's interesting, so you are a Libra sun, but you're also a Libra moon. So you were born very close to a new moon. Oh, cool. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like the new moon happened, you know, a couple hours after you're born. Um, but that always means like new beginnings. Like if you're thinking about the menstruation cycle, it would be like, you know, the beginning of the cycle, which is kind of amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. But your whole chart is ruled by the sun because you're Leo rising. Your sun is sitting in your fourth house, which is all about nurturing the divine oh. feminine. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's perfect. <laughs> that definitely aligns. Your north node is there as well. And what's crazy is 
that's all sitting there alongside your Venus. And all of that is like cusping on Scorpio and Libra. But since it's in the fourth house is connected to motherhood and the womb. Wow. That's incredible. That is actually incredible. I know it's wild. So you have your sun, your North node and your Venus sitting in your fourth house, which is traditionally ruled by cancer, which is again, divine motherhood, nurturing um, womb work, all of that stuff. And your Venus and Scorpio things you Venus is like things you value and things you appreciate and having it be in Scorpio, not only ruling the sex organs, but caring deeply about anything that feels uncomfortable, like Scorpio placements really need to get to the bottom of it through psychology, research, learning. It's like, I need to figure out why this is happening. So having it be in Scorpio in your fourth house is you're getting to the bottom of like endometriosis or these hormone issues, but also helping the collective good. Oh my gosh, it's just beautiful. And then your Venus, I'm doing this all from memory because I looked at it right before. (laughs) But your Venus is actually making a really beautiful trine, which means like it's a harmonious aspect to Saturn, which is sitting in your eighth house, which again, ruled traditionally by Scorpio. So you're supposed to learn lessons and wisdom and teach people all of these things. And even you said you did the anti-trafficking. That's also very indicative of all these placements. Does that align like perfectly with who I am now? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And, you know, eventually if you wanted to be a mom, like it would, you teaching other mothers and other women about Mm -hmm. the process of pregnancy or hormones, everything that you're doing now is it tracks in your chart. It really does. So you're on the right track, Erin, you intuitively (laughs) knew what you needed to do. Your chart is really lovely. Also with the, the Libra placements, like really connecting to other people on an intimate level is something you're really good at. I definitely prefer that. (laughs) I can say that's definitely me. And I find it interesting because I've been like, I've always talked about being a mom since I was like four or five, like very, very young. I've always been so excited about becoming a mom one day. So that all makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And now you don't have to have um, any of your surgeries, right? For your endometriosis. So far, like I don't have any, I have occasional symptoms, but it's like, if I've had a really bad month, like I've just been eating everything in the whole sun that I should be. (laughs) But other than that, yeah, like my cycles are amazing. I don't have painful periods, no heavy bleeding. I, yeah, like it's, it's great. That's incredible. And even people who are like further along, like a stage three or stage four, there's still ways to manage pain and symptoms with endometriosis. And I've seen people come back from stage fours. Like I, I don't know how they've done. I've never known their full process, but I've been seeing people come back tremendously from those by incorporating things like acupuncture and nutrition and herbalism and all of those things. Wow. This is incredible. This was so, you taught me so much. I'm excited to listen back, (laughs) get all of those little nuggets when I'm editing, but um, for our listeners, where can they connect with you and find you and get all the goodies on your course? Yeah. Thank you. Um, I will say TikTok still struggle for me. So I'm not going to send you my TikTok. (laughs) I don't know what's wrong with me and TikTok. We don't get along. TikTok can be shady. I get it. It Shady. Um, You can find me on Instagram at I am dot moonly. So just moon L I. And then my website is I am moonly.com where you can find out all about my, get some of my free resources or find out about my courses. All of that is in there as well. Yes, totally. I, I signed up for your freebie yesterday about PMS and I got, oh, yeah. I got all the tips. I loved it. Amazing. Yeah. So check out Erin, check out her reels and all of her info. I'll also include it in the show notes. 
And you guys know where to find me on Instagram at spirit underscore sis. You can try my TikTok. Uh, it's spirit sis. I've been on there. I'm building a good community on there doing some live readings. Or you can find me on my website, which is spiritsis.com. All right, everyone. Take care. Love you. Till next time. Bye-bye.